Welcome back, guys, to the Beyond Condition podcast. And today, I've just realised I'm joined with Alex, who is from Scotland. And we were just describing how different the weather is being here in Thailand <laughs> compared to, of course, Scotland. But thank you, first of all, Alex, for coming on today. No problem. Absolutely pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now, as you know, this is part of a mental health series. So we're going to be talking about your journey as a natural athlete. And of course, when I messaged you, first of all, your physique, I saw it and it was like, this is sick. But also we resonate on many, many topics that fall under the bodybuilding realm. So, you know, the exploration of natural potential first and then either pursuing that or potentially you know people do go down the assisted route and it's important that we can educate ourselves as to what the best route is I'm sure you'll agree 100% yep spot on Mm. so I guess probably the best place to start would be what actually got you into bodybuilding in the first place yeah no for sure I think probably like a lot of people you know played sport early on rugby and cricket for me and then I guess my story is actually slightly interesting in terms of that I came out of uni and I, uh, like probably most of us, didn't know what I wanted to, to do. And I got a job in a supplement shop. Um, I actually went to uni in Cardiff, so I got a job in a supplement shop on uh, Cardiff High Street. And as a result of which, you know, this is before Instagram. So a lot of um, supplement brands like USN, Cymex, PhD, whatever, would send their athletes in. And USN had a really big bodybuilding roster. And they sent guys like Lee Powell, um, Dave Titterson, Lucas Gabris. Um, and these were all NABBA pros. These guys are like 6'2", 300 pounds, just unbelievable size. Exactly. And I was like, wow, like, I, like what even is that? Like, I want to be that. And that's, you know, I think I saw these guys in real life and it was like, hey, you know, what do I need to do to, to look, you know, even a proportion of that? And that's probably how I kicked off, to be honest with you. Mm, uh, certainly aligning with you there in regards to the exploration of what this journey can bring and you know being inspired by other people and you mentioned their social media you know we can often get caught in the trap of comparison to others but actually like you said there it's like what could I do to get even a fraction of that but have an inspiration rather than I want to be someone else that's completely genetically individual compared to me and we learn that as bodybuilders don't we yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at some physiques and you're like, oh, wow, like, you know, if I do X, Y, and Z, I'll get there. And unfortunately, as you say, well, you know, we're all all different in so many ways, especially, you know, height, weight, genetically. But, you know, and what, you know, what good looks like for one person is not what good looks like for another person as well. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely, you know, being aware of what you have and then just trying to be the best version of you. I know it's cliched, but try and be the best you can be, right? So... Yeah, for sure. And of course, you know, as we continue our journey, that can become blurred when we talk about mental health, you know, the depths you hit in a prep in particular, that comparison to others can become more relevant. And you sort of think, who am I going to be competing against and and this type of thing? And would you say that that's increased for you as you've climbed the ranks and become more successful in the sport? Yeah, I think, you know, um, you know, natural bodybuilding is it's a, you know, a, a relatively small pond in terms of, you know, you're very aware of who you're competing against and then obviously you know who the good guys and girls are. And then obviously Instagram definitely doesn't help that by any means. Because, you know, you say, you know, you always try and make a rule. I always try and make a rule. You know, I won't look at so-and-so on Instagram and then you feel yourself gravitating towards it. So it's just, it's just not helpful, you know, in any means, because obviously we all know IG, there's filters on there, there's various bits and pieces. You know, that person may have had a full day, you know, heavy carbs, just pumped up, look phenomenal. So it's, it's yeah, my strategy is actually, as I meet all the guys, probably about 12 weeks out, nothing personal to them. It's just not a helpful thing to see because then again, I know it's cliche, but as long as you focus on you and you're the best version you can be, that's all you can control. If someone else looks a million dollars, you know, good luck to them, but there's just nothing you can do about it. So it's not helpful for me to be in that headspace of, constantly comparing yourself when you're going towards a show off season sure you want to be inspired you want to be motivated you want to see wow what are they lifting what are they looking like but i think when it comes to prep it's direct competitors i think for your headspace it's probably not the best thing to be constantly oh geez look at their update they look sick you know so yeah for sure i feel like when you sort of first get into it it's maybe not as on your peripheral that's where i ask if if you you know more success can that come more stressful more comparison to others etc but I almost sometimes wish that I could go right back to the start yeah yeah what was that like to have almost zero expectations and just be so grateful to step on stage you know 
Yeah, I think super freeing, to be honest with you. I think it's probably more of a, more of a personal touch. BMBF, that's who I competed with initially. And, you know, they do well, still run actually posing clubs every month. So it would be you go and you'd see, you know, the guys and girls and you get much more family feel. And I think this that still obviously goes on with the BMBF. I think it's a little bit lost on Instagram, which is a shame because obviously you'd see them in the flesh, you know, you'd build more of a relationship. But out with that, for the rest of the month, you didn't worry about it. And yeah, it was, it was 100% you know, freeing because you weren't constantly checking IG and weren't, you know, worrying about who was in or, or, you know, what update they posted. So yeah, it was a, I guess a, a simpler, simpler time. Yeah. Mm, for sure. And when you first started competing, what was your, talk me through, you know, when you won your first show, was that your first show or did you, you know? No, have- hey, no, I've lost like time and again, I'll be honest with you, uh, over and over and over. So I've done 2.12 would be my first show. I like to think it's 2.13, but it wasn't. It was actually 2.12 and I was an absolute disaster. Shook like a leaf on stage, got my diet way wrong, was far too fat, posing was poor, just an absolute you know, didn't um, enjoy it, to be honest with you. But then I kind of went away and I said, you know what? We'll give this another go. And the next year, I got third in novice class, but I qualified for BNBF Britain. But again, we then, so that's 2.12. I actually won my first show in 21. Oh, so from 2.12 to 2021, and I probably competed maybe eight times. And I didn't win a sausage. I was always second, third. I got British invites. I did a world, I qualified, but I didn't, never won. Um, so I always remember someone making a joke saying that um, if we if we melt down all your second and third place trophies, we might get a first place trophy. It always stuck stuck with me. But I think yeah, lost chance with you, lost time and again. But I always thought, hey, if we keep on going with this and make adjustments as we go, we'll eventually nail it. And I guess we have. So I think yeah, no, just a shout to anyone out there who isn't winning, as long as you're enjoying it, and that was the big key thing for me. I was always enjoying it. It will come, and as long as you're astute and you're saying, hey. Well, this is why I'm not winning. You know, is it condition? Is it size? Is it my posing? Like, what is it? And you make adjustments as you go. Then, hey, you know, your day, your day will come. Um, because in bodybuilding, you know, you know, you lose more than you win, and that's 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 unfortunate. But you know, your day will come if you you know stick to your basics and you keep at it. So, mm. and of course, you're a natural champion. Was there any points during that period of time where it was like, would I go down the assisted route, or have you always felt that you want to stick to natural? Yeah, I think always, always wanted to stick to natural, to be honest with you. I think, I mean, I'll, I'll share kind of super quick. So when obviously I kind of started, obviously I mentioned the guys from USN, you know, those kind of NAB and UK BAFF pros, you know, they said, eventually said, hey, you know, you've got a decent enough physique, you know, maybe you should compete. And they said, you know, the BMBF, great fed, you know, this is back in kind of 2010, 2011. They do some good stuff, you know, why don't you compete with them? And I was like, okay. But never once did they say to me, hey, you should hop on something. They said, hey, look, you know, see how you can take your, how far you can take your physique naturally. And then, you know, if, you know, you, you so wish, you know, and I think, you know, crack on. But at the time, I probably didn't really appreciate that because I think, as I mentioned kind of at the top of this, you know, I thought those guys walked on water. I actually then went on to work for USN. So even more, I thought these guys are, are unbelievable. So if they'd said to me, hey, Alex, you know, maybe if you take a wee bit of X and Y, then, you know, that's what you need to do. I mean, and you know, 2021, you know, you don't know much about anything. I certainly didn't. So I was, you know, um, I'll, uh, I would have done it, to be honest with you. I'm sure I would have done, you know, obviously I'm 35 now. On reflection, I'm so glad I didn't. Um, but at the time, I think I didn't really understand anything about, well, even supplements at 2021, if I'm honest with you. So never mind PEDs. So you're kind of forever grateful that those guys didn't lead me down that route. And then obviously I kind of got into, I'll just kind of wrap this up super quick, but um, I then kind of YouTube videos because there was no Instagram. Facebook was just a kind of a thing, um, you know, BMBF, um, natural bodybuilding. And a gentleman called Dave K came up his guest spot. And I think it was the BMBF Scottish 2010. And I can still remember it now. And he hits a back double bicep, um, you know, and Dave's a, you know, triple world champion, phenomenal athlete, and just the muscle and condition. And I was just absolutely blown away. And I can remember sitting at the kitchen table of the laptop watching it and then, you know, pausing the still of Dave in the back double bicep and going, hey, if I can look a fraction of that, and this guy's natural. This guy's top of the tree, fine. But if I can make a fraction of that, then perfect. That I don't. That I don't think I need anymore. And that was kind of always my my mantra. That if I ever, you know, looked like that, like Dave, then maybe I would. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I, I'm still chasing, chasing looking like that. Um, but I'm still super buzzed with my physique. So yeah, um, mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of been my my journey through it. So no, I've never considered it. Um, if, like really, if I'm honest. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly a lot of things you said there about, of course, we've touched on exploring your natural potential. And I think sometimes there can be that element of, well, where is my natural potential going to, what's the shelf life for that? And there's always this sort of confusion as to, okay, so if I'm competing with XY Federation, then if they're untested and you are natural, of course, there's going to be those thoughts in your your head to go, well, should I be using assistance? And this is where I think as well, you know, promoting that there are several natural federations and you can pursue this to an international level if you want to stay in that lane, then it's not just, you know, you don't have to go down the IFBB route or, you know, follow pressures of social media. You can really explore traveling internationally if you can do well in the natural realms. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, in a natural show, there's obviously, you know, in the UK, there's the BMBF, BMBF who's then the World Affiliate DFAC, there's the UK DFBA, WMBF, and they also have World Affiliates, WMBF Worlds as well. There's the Natural Olympia, there's, you know, great options out there. If you you can travel to the US, you know, I've just back from Australia last month that I competed in. So, you know, there's, there's definitely great options to travel, as you say, you know, and compete on a, on a great stage naturally. You know, sure, if you want to go to the Olympia and you want to be, you know, Phil Heath or, um, yeah. you know, Derek Lunsford, then OK, yeah, you're going to need to go down that road. But I think that's, you know, that's if we've all been very realistic. That's kind of top percentile, you know, guys and girls who are making a big living, you know, out of this from purely competing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because if you're trying to hold down a normal job, which many of us are, yeah, we are and, exactly. you know, family, other commitments outside yeah. of that, you know, it sounds like we're probably the same in regards to we do everything we can. But sometimes, even for the top Olympians, life yeah. gets in the way. Things happen. And, you know, you've got to, of course, try and gain that mindset of what are you doing this for? And, yeah. you know, sometimes bodybuilding can't be the priority. Now, for yourself, if there's been periods of time where it's like, you know, of course, you're you're chasing what you're doing in the bodybuilding. But when other things come up in life, what are your sort of mental health tactics and how you address that when things do arise? Yeah, and I think you just touched on it. I was just kind of phrasing a slightly different way, but I think that's a key question. You know, I think I'm always trying to op, op, you know um, talk about and kind of think about it. You know, what am I optimizing for? You know, so what is you know? Um, I think that's something a great question. You know, what does success look like to you, and what are you optimizing for? Um, two super you know useful questions and I think if you're clear on that then everything else kind of flows flows down because you know if you know if bodybuilding is your thing and you want to be happy in bodybuilding it's then okay well how do I optimize for that whereas if it's your career driven hey how do I optimize you know to be career driven or what family whatever you know it may be but no certainly yeah I think probably the the midpoint I think you know for me personally probably the midpoint in my, my, my bodybuilding career was around I was trying to do too much I was trying to you know be super super focused on my career you know I work for nutrition um still in the supplement industry so I was trying to you know really optimize for that and bodybuilding and a relationship at the time and it was too much and it all fell apart if I'm honest and it was one of those that that was obviously a bit of a tough time trying to you know build that back up but um, I think if you try to juggle too many balls eventually, um, especially with bodybuilding, you do need to be quite singular and quite focused. And I think at the end of the day, probably maybe a realization for me was that if you really love bodybuilding and training, that's okay. That you just just do that. Don't worry about oh, I should be doing X, I should be doing Y, and I haven't bought a house yet or whatever it is. If you really love it, you know, put it at the top of your priority list, but make sure you know the you know career whatever else is then allowing you to live that lifestyle, you know, whether that's online coaching or personal training, whatever it may be. If that's the lifestyle you want to live, then go for it. But guess, make sure, you guess, you know, your uh, your foundations are in place. Um, you know, and obviously as an online coach yourself, I'm sure you can you can speak to the freedom of, uh, of being able to, you know, train, meal prep, online coach. You know, that must be a, a dream for you. So Yeah, for sure. It's certainly, you know, I used to work in the leisure centre as a gym manager and the hours were nuts when I look back at Alex. It's like, (laughs) how did I prep under this amount of, so I suppose, but, you know, we all need a bit of stress. time stress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, long hours, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess for me, you know, during those times where it was extremely hard in the prep, that all added to when I did win my first show, I was like, fucking hell, you know, a lot of years and years and years have gone into yeah. this. You lift that trophy and I'm sure you can relate yeah. and you think it was all worth it, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And 100%. it is, yeah. you know, when you do spend years of 
you know, not placing and what have you. Maybe we could talk about how that felt for you when you won your first show. How was that when your name got called? Yeah, do you know what? It was so, yeah, the first show I, I won was the yeah, BNBF Scottish overall. I know you can't tell from the accent, but I, I am Scottish. But so it's, um, <laughs> it's, is, um, yeah. it meant, you know, being kind of Mr. Scotland meant a huge amount to me. Especially, you know, my gyms, you know, central Scotland as well. You know, a lot of people come to the show. So to be a Mr. Scotland, you know, meant an awful lot, if I'm honest with you, especially because it was my first show that I never placed in. So I think that kind of had a more of a, a special feel. Um, but if I'm honest, like the moment I think you get your name gets called is brilliant. And then kind of after then afterwards, you kind of realize that not an awful lot changes in your life. I love um, you said that. I love so, that. So I'm sure maybe I'm sure you've a similar experience that you can you can speak to, but not an awful lot changes. And I thought, I think probably a lot of people do before you win, you think, do you know what? When I win, I'm gonna everyone's gonna love me on Insta. My followers are gonna go to the roof, there'll be sponsorship deals, I'll be my door will be exploding with people who want, who want to talk to me and life will be different. And it's not, um, maybe for the Olympia it is, but it, you know, for, I guess for, you know, even, you know, good amateur level, you know, pro, even pro level, it's probably not going to change too much. So I think it was that point I kind of really, I think, you know, came to dawned on me that if you don't love the journey, you know, the destination of winning, winning won't solve anything. So I'm not sure what your experience was like, if you want to share yeah for sure exactly the same I genuinely as soon as you said it I'm like this was exactly the same for me I that night obviously you're celebrating and everything's great yeah. and the next morning I woke up and I thought right I'm the same person and you know I went for my walk <laughs> you know messages and stuff and if you yeah. share a post you get you might get you know 300 or 400 likes and you think fucking hell I'm famous but, yeah. then, but then it's gone you know and yeah. maybe we could talk about that in regards to you know the, the post-show periods on one side of the coin of not placing but then when you do place when you weren't getting your top trophy for many many years did you struggle post-show yeah it's definitely it's a lonely place um I think you know when you haven't got the result you know that you want and I think probably always, I think actually helped me was that I think I was lucky that I had a lot of people and they messaged it. Because I think it's even, I think obviously you come off and you haven't won. I think your first thought was, oh, I was a disaster. I was shocking. And I think even a message saying, hey, Sarah, you know, unlucky today, but, you know, you looked brilliant. Thought, you know, your condition, your, you know, symmetry, whatever, your routine is amazing. That can just lift you so much. So I think it's not really the fact that you haven't won. It's more like, geez, how did I look? And I think it's, for me, as long as I thought I looked phenomenal, you know, to, for, as, a, as good as I could be, then I, well, the placing itself, you know, in latter years always didn't matter so much. But initially, yeah, because I think all of us, you know, who do compete, you know, we are winners, you know, we want to win and not winning hurts. So, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a tricky one. But I think, as you say, you know, you, know, you woke up the day after you did win um, and you didn't feel any different. And, you know, you've got to go straight back to work. You know, you're still back in your cardio, your meal prep, you know, your training. So whether you win or you, or you lose, you're doing the same thing anyway, because you're not going to stop. You're just going to keep on going. So I think probably the more experience you pick up, you you know, you know understand that actually win or lose, you're still waking up tomorrow morning. You're still doing your cardio. You're still weighing your ropes first thing and you're still getting out and you're hitting the gym. You know, So probably not an awful lot changes, but I think, yeah, that's definitely took me a lot of time to appreciate that. And in the early years when I was younger, the loss has definitely hit me hard and it can be a dark place if you know if you don't get the result you want but i think if you've got good friends around you who say actually you know your physique's super impressive we're proud of you you know that can really help mentally mm, yeah for sure was there any periods of time where because i know in the female realms male as well but i talk from experience and other competitors that i know and, and work with those elements of trying to stay lean maybe self-restriction anything like that that you had yeah, I think so. even still, to be honest with you, I won the Britain last year, you know, European pro card. My prep coach, Vicky McCann, I train out of her gym. Every day she's still shouting about, at me about, you know, how much weight have you put on, how much weight have you put on? Because it's, uh, and even now, you know, me doing all this time. I mean, it is, it's in a nice way, obviously. But yeah, it is difficult. It is super difficult. I mean, and again, you know, I'm, you know, what's this, 11 years, 10, 11 years into this. And I still find it really fucking hard because you go from looking a certain way to even be any you know, kind of minutiae not looking that way and you're like oh I look a disaster you know and it's yeah and I think you know it's just natural my prep last year was 38 weeks if you go from 38 weeks to constantly looking in the mirror as we all do 
you know, yeah. how do I look? How's my condition day after day or several, pretty much maybe four or five times a day yeah. to then suddenly the next day, you can't just bang, turn it off and go, I don't care how I look, it's growing season, which is the right attitude to have, but you can't flip that switch and just do it. It's very difficult. So I think you just got to, I think having actually a plan kind of post-show is probably the best thing. Have a weight target. You know, I've got a weight target. I want to put on 10 kilos and I want to do that over a progressive period of time. And that allows you to, to have some accountability. But yeah, it is, you know, even for, I guess, even for a guy, um, it's super, super difficult. You know, what's your experience in terms of kind of post-show? Have you done the whole kind of post-show binge gone nuts or like what have you, like reverse diet to put on no weight or what's <laughs> Well, we've got a collaborative now of like 23 years of competing. So I've done sort of 12 years and certainly at the start, I always got led to believe that it was almost like not I didn't ever binge binge as in you know complete yeah. control but I always felt like there was this okay well you need to eat a load of shit food because that's sort of what I saw and you know yeah. it, it was like well I, I want to be like other bikini girls and it was always from a place of wanting to fit into what other bikini girls were doing and then as the years went on I just found that it actually got harder and I would do the sort of self-restriction thing and then, you know, try and hang on to being leaner, maybe not be completely open with my coach and just be like, yeah, I'm okay. But yeah, the, the internal talk, you know, well, I'm yeah. sure you can relate. It's, yeah. you become almost your own worst enemy. If you start, you've got to gain a bit of fat, haven't you, as you go and it, yeah. it's Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think probably the thing that I think has helped me is that, you know, is that, when it's you know i guess off season inverted commas you know that's what this is your growing time so every day you're in a surplus you know you're growing you're getting better and i think that's you know certainly something that helps me but it's very difficult to get you know out of the mindset of i need to be shredded how's my condition you know you know how's the feather on my claws looking like to <laughs> i just don't care about that it's all about i'm now a performance-based athlete because so i think that's probably for me you know obviously when you're you know prepping for a show you're very much you know based on the visual whereas obviously when it's off season you are a performance-based athlete you know and it's all about you know you know more so in terms of you know your recovery you know your nutrition and then just performing in the gym but as I said yeah it takes time to get out of that but I think yeah I mean even I think I'm about 10 weeks now and I'm still obviously nowhere near back up to full strength I think that's okay because you know you do I don't personally want a horse on you know, 10, 15 kilos. So I've done that and it isn't isn't great. And I think to answer the I think I could definitely feel worse for it. Like what's the most you reckon you gain kind of post-show? Well, I the the best growth phase I had, because until now, so I'm now at like 16 months of an off season. Now the longest I'd done previously over 10 years of competing was 10 mm. months. Now mine right. was on a place of yeah, I was very unhappy in my personal life. So I just competed back to back and essentially yeah. ran myself right into the mm -hmm. ground. And in that growth phase, I think it was about 16 kilos, but I just felt, I just felt fat. I didn't feel yeah. good, you know, over that 10 month period yeah. now, doing it like this and going, okay, so I might have, you know, maybe 18 months, two years before I prep again, I've just slowly done it and it feels so nice. much better. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Agreed. And I actually, yeah. I, I don't know about you from sort of what you've heard and, and being on the scene, actually, unless, of course, we've spoken about the Olympia and you've got these yeah. athletes that are, you know, genetically gifted, they're humongous, you know, the guys, it's yeah, like, well, this is wild. For them to gain size, yes, there's merit. Yeah. Push up a lot more than perhaps a lot of people think. Well, actually, you could be just over maintenance and having a bit of a surplus and feed your training rather than I'm just going to eat a shitload, you know? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah. I think you're absolutely spot on with that. I think, you know, you know, we all listen to, you know, the, you know, the top Olympians and they're talking about, you know, they're obviously, they always talk comparison, and, you know, I'm, you know, from a male perspective, you know, I'm 280, like 300 pounds. And you're like, geez, that, that's the attitude I need to have. Mm -hmm. um, but I think essentially, you know, especially from in a natural realm, you know, you don't want to be putting on probably, excuse me, between shows more than certainly more than 15 kilos. I don't, unless you, you you know, you really need to, to eat up because, you know, obviously it's, you know, mass moves mass. So the heavier you are, the more weight you move in the gym. And I think a lot of people kind of misappropriate that. To, oh, wow. I'm so much stronger. It's like, mm, yeah, but you're so much heavier. And that's, you know, you'd much rather be leaner, but moving, you know, 
no, maybe not as much weight, but it's still a good amount of weight because your actual muscles are doing that versus your body mass. But hey, look, you know, I've done that the hard way. You know, I've bumped up far too much, you know, off season. I probably put on, you know, kind of 15, 20 kilo sum preps and being like, oh, look how strong I am. But I was really like, oh, geez, look how fat you are, you know, and it's um, and that's probably, you know, a good, a good takeaway. I think that you're right. As long as you're in a calorie surplus and your performance is good, hey, like you're doing brilliant. Like don't don't change a thing. You know, you don't need to be you know, wait for weight sick isn't the, the goal because you yeah. just need to get it off again. So, yeah. And also I, I feel like certainly for me, allowing a bit more time than I have previously, it's yeah. actually, I've so, almost like adapted with that time span rather than like before the attitude was 10 months, I've got to get, you know, the weight up as much as I can. And yeah, so you push, push, push. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah. at the end of the off season, you've got to lose all that weight. Exactly. Yeah. You feel terrible. You know, I was yeah. eating all the time and I've got a good capacity for food, but by the end you're just like, I'm fucking sick of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I competed again in my early years, but back to back to back. And I think on reflection, I wish I'd taken, you know, an extra year off, you know, again, especially naturally because you need that time to build that I never really appreciated that. So I think yeah, for my first show, in my point, my first year, five years, I competed every single year, which in hindsight was, it was a very silly thing to do. And I wish, you know, so I'm glad you said that. I wish I'd taken more time, you know, just to enjoy my training, build a physique. And again, because when you've only got, you know, you come off stage, you know, at the end of the season, maybe, you know, I don't know, September, October time, obviously you're doing it UK wise, then to start prep again, you probably start again, maybe April, May, it's such a short window and you say you're push, push, push with food and everything else. And you're just not giving yourself, you know, enough time mentally or physically to really recover. So definitely echo that in terms of, you know, reflection, should we have taken more time off when we were a bit younger and we started out? It's a definite yes from me. So yeah, I think as well, you know, people hearing this and then maybe being in a position we were at the start, it's like, actually what you said there earlier about, you know, enjoying the journey really you know this is yes we all want to win but yeah don't enjoy the journey life's going to be pretty fucking shit because every day <laughs> we have a lot of boxes to tick right like it's not yeah. just you can't i mean some people maybe they can dabble and they get good results but generally you need to work at this and if that then monopolizes your brain power that you feel like you have to do xyz it's more like actually I choose to get up early to go for a walk to and I always say I really like being the weird one I like being yeah. a bodybuilder. are you the same yeah. oh 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah I think a real kind of realization that came to me probably the last couple of years was that I actually asked myself the question if there wasn't a trophy at the end of this or a title would you still do it um, I think I was probably like heavy into prep at this point um, and the answer came back was like well yeah I would because I like prepping on my food. I like drinking all the water. I like my steps. I like going to bed early. I like how I feel. So even if there wasn't a trophy or a show, would I still do this? Yeah, I would, as you said, because I don't mind being the weird one. You know, I think as time goes on, I think also the more you do it and the more kind of friends you make around the circuit, obviously on social, you almost form a new friend group, if that makes sense. And you actually work out there's actually a lot of people like us out there and they're not boring and they're not dull just because we don't go out at the weekend and i think you know that's actually quite a powerful thing that over time you will you know, gravitate into different circles and and you'll you know, find that there's a pretty cool community in the bodybuilding world you know whether it's natural powerlifting you know pd use whatever this you know bodybuilding fitness is a pretty cool community out there and which you can lean into so yeah so yeah, it's not another bad thing being the weird one yeah and you, you know it's like-minded people isn't it exactly yeah, it's almost that. like we're almost glitches in the system compared to sort of the rest of humanity sometimes but like you described there your world can very quickly become everything bodybuilding and then there is that I don't know if you found that sort of transition of the people maybe you went to school with or yeah. you know uni things like this they yeah. sort of drop away and you keep some of them but exactly. like you know the message is it's okay to outgrow relationships yes 
A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, very, very similar. You know, I have a good group of friends that um, we all went to school together. So we're still, you know, super close, but not as close as, as we once were because, you know, things, things do change and they're not into, we all obviously train, but they're not um, at a different level to what they are, but that's okay. And I'm super lucky that they're going to support me on the journey. But yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely a point in time that, you know, you migrate away because, you know, to be the best, you know, you have to be a little bit selfish in the bodybuilding world. And again, that's okay. You know, and I guess, I mean, selfish in terms of, I guess, time more than I guess attitude. But yeah, I think, you know, if you want to be super good at competitive bodybuilding at any level, then yeah, you do need to be a little bit selfish and you need to, you know, as you say, put, you know, you're all into it. When we sort of think about relationships and if you were to have children, mm. you know, close family, that can certainly be tricky. I, I don't know about you, but I found that just being really open and transparent with how important it is. I feel like that sort of, it stops that external pressure of people, you know, going, do you have to do this and, and all that? Yeah. Sort of stuff. yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. I'm, I'm super lucky. My girlfriend competes also, which I think can, you know, probably speaks to, you know, obviously, you know, meeting people in that community. Yeah. You know, Becca, she's actually a natural female bodybuilding champion, which is, which is super cool. So yeah, she definitely, definitely gets it. But even so, obviously there's days that, yeah, I think as you say, you know, if you can communicating properly as much as you can, no prep is easy. Especially, you know, having kids, I mean, I don't know how people do it and have kids. That's a serious, a serious endeavor, I think. But I think, you know, I think as you said earlier, you know, you you find the time where needed. Your um, horizon will fit time-wise to, to make it work, essentially. Um, but I believe your partner competes as well, so. Yeah, so he's into bodybuilding. He hasn't actually competed and he sort of, had this conversation when he like right at the start when he was lifting he trained with probably similar to your supplement store story where mm. he trained at the gym and there was this like you know almost famous in the area bodybuilder yeah. they trained a bit and stuff and oh, nice. he's actually got lots of tattoos so we've had talks around you know of course I'm sure you're aware that can skew you know potentially what you see as muscle definition and maybe what the judges would award and it's like that does he want to compete or or does he not and and do bodybuilding is like a, he calls it hobby building but like yeah. you know, really enjoying the journey of what it can bring the structure that it can bring and it's for him you know it's that I want to go in and win how much would that mean I need to put into a big growth phase and then the diet down and and he's 35 so similarly would he go down that route now and it's sort of a decision a lot of people have got to make now I know people go into it when they're 50 or 60 but it's a lot of commitment isn't it oh yeah no massively yeah 100 percent. I think you know especially if you have that mindset of you know I'm a winner and I'm going to give my all here yeah, it's it's a hundred percent. You know, not just in the prep. You know, and in the prep, I mean, I think you know, twenty twenty four weeks. It's it's all in. It's then, as you say, you know, the growth phase as well. So yeah, it's massive. It's a massive commitment, especially obviously if you, you know have you know, um, you know, professional commitments as well. You know, plus relationships. It's yeah, it's definitely not easy to to go into that. And plus, you know, I think you can bodybuild and not and not compete. It's because to get up on the stage, obviously, a very small part of it. You know, the real money is in. Is in, you know, as you say, the building of the physique, then diving down, you know, you don't actually need to step on stage if you if you don't so wish. So yeah, I feel like almost for me, it was like the first time I did it, it was just literally like, can I step on that stage? You know, <laughs> yeah, exposing myself nearly naked. And and that was yeah. like, it was not me. I'm not like I'm more like a tomboy. So it was like, yeah. blood hell. But then I feel like a lot of people can go either way. You can either do it once and you're like, I am so excited about what this could bring. And if I do it again, or it's like, I'm completely shell-shocked. I never want to bodybuild again. And I'm sure yeah. you've come across that as well. That's a tricky one when it's like, you've hit the pinnacle of what you see as your physique. And then it's like, I don't want to do it anymore, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. I think I said, you know, my first show, you know, I just, geez, I didn't, you know, you didn't understand the tanning, shaving, you know, any of it, to be honest with you. And I've been to watch shows before, you know, um, so it's, I, I still don't know how. But I think, yeah, it's, it's a real experience because there's so much, as you say, goes into it. It's almost having the physique and building it is one area. And then it's almost been a stage performer to get up because I'm the same. You know, I've, you know, you know, zero, you know, dancing, acting, nothing like that at school, zero, absolutely zero. So I wouldn't want to, so the thought of then obviously getting onto a massive, you know, concert hall stage, 
you know, and especially, you know, the routine at night, BMBS still runs a routine for every competitor, which, you know, I, know, I now love. But at the time, it was so nerve wracking because you need to pick your music, you need to try and choreograph something. It's all you by yourself, obviously, a prejudge or, you know, you're out with everyone. So, you know, you've been given instruction, but when it's just you and you feel all the eyes just directly on you, it's a, it's a serious undertaking. And um, then the judges, you know, it's like, yeah. You know, they're, they're normally quite serious looking. Yeah, you know, they're chatting between themselves and writing notes and things. And you're yeah. literally like, you know, you said shaking. I get it yeah. where I get uncontrollable shaky leg. It's like, really? yeah, it's like I don't. That know be my first show. That was me. Yeah, 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 hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it's no, so awful. I mean, as yeah. this has gone on, have you got better at being Zen master on show day? <laughs> I think it's yeah it's for me it's I think I for me personally I'm just better through repetition you know straight off the back I'll probably be pretty average at something but I guess I can get into a zone and it's just reps 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 and that's where you know I think certainly you know my posing is you know on prep I pose every single morning it's like one of those non-negotiable things I've put in I have a time in the day you know where I do it and it's 15 minutes and it's you know three four rounds of symmetry and it's the same with muscularity and it's constant and I just I don't miss a day and that's like something I kind of laterally put in but because before you know you're just like oh, I'm tired I'm hungry I don't want to pose the last thing you want to do but unless it comes super naturally to you I think it can you know it's such a such a game changer um you know I've actually judged the last couple of the years for the BNBF so I can say from a kind of judge's perspective how important you know posing is you have someone um, you know, who's actually 10% better physique-wise, condition-wise, but their posing is atrocious versus the second person who isn't as good. If their posing is better, more often than not, that person will actually win because their posing is nailed and they're actually showing everything to the best of their ability. So, you know, certainly I wasn't a natural poser, but I think you know, I just went away. And again, it's just it's just reps, 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 keep keep on doing it. I don't know what your experience of posing has been. Do you think you weren't a natural then to start? No. No. <laughs> no, like, what, what is this and I went to I've used many many posing coaches over the years and some of it were actually quite traumatic almost I thought you know it's like you're at war almost it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah you know you don't get the move and there was quite mm. brutal ones that I saw and it was okay. like you're not doing this you need to play your Latin and I was yeah. And then I started working with different posing coaches, yep. getting my own sort of flair, as it were. I also realised what you said there, judging myself, but also being able to, you know, go through the ranks, as it were. I've mm. placed higher by one point because I feel that my posing was better than another yep. competitor. And we had very similar physiques. And mm. I always say to people, you might see someone backstage that looks really really good but if they can't yeah. pose what you just said there highlights it from yeah. you know, someone else backing up my theories here that actually it does yeah. make a big difference oh massively yeah absolutely massively you know i think i've judged i think in the last three years the bmba from the circuit and yeah it's amazing even actually as a judge it's super i think especially when someone's in condition and then they turn to the back, but they don't turn on their glutes. And I'm talking from a male perspective. Well, I'm and female actually in bodybuilding, but they don't turn on their, their glutes and hams. But, but you can see, you know, they're in condition, but they don't then turn to the back and they don't hit it. And you're just like, and if it's close, you're like, geez, like, I know you're in condition, but you're actually not posing any of it. Whereas this person over here, they're not in as good condition, but they're nailing it. So I can see more. So it's almost, you know, you, you can't presume you know, to judge what is there is only what can be shown. So as you say, when you see someone backstage, you know, they could pose, you know, like an absolute idiot, which is obviously unfortunate, but posing is such, such an important part, yeah, of bodybuilding. Yeah, again, you know, if you're going to transition into being a competitor rather than bodybuilding, it's like, for me, if you can't exhibit your best physique and, you know, yeah, if you, if you don't have that motivation to do it, you've got to be uncomfortable if it's not natural like it is, you know, for, for some, yeah. for us, it's like, we've got to really work to actually almost enjoy it cathartically in a sense. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think it's also that, you know, posing, obviously you have all your, you know, your mandatory poses, but obviously you can all hit them in a slightly different variation. Um, I suppose probably more so, I guess, from the male perspective in terms of bodybuilding and female bodybuilding classic. But I think, you know, there's a variety of ways you can hit a pose to best showcase the physique you have. 
And I think that's, you know, super important as well, that, you know, people kind of, you know, they spend the time kind of, what, where are my strengths? Like on this pose, if I hit it, I guess like textbook, do I look great in this? Maybe I don't. So I need to maybe turn my legs slightly more to twist my chest around, whatever, you know, it is. Um, so it's really posing for your physique and being kind of self-aware around, you know, one of my strengths, one of my weaknesses in this pose, kind of do a little something maybe to take away my weakness and accentuate my strength. And again, you know, it's painful because you're like, you know, hey, I can't twist that much. You know, the amount of times that I can't twist that hurt, I literally, I can't contort into that. But again, it's practice because you probably can. It's just uncomfortable. You've just got to keep on, keep on doing it. And that's why I talk about reps. Like the more you do it, the better you're, you'll get but yeah I'm 100% you know even the thought of posing to me I'm just like oh here we go again but it's it has hard. to be done yeah it's hard it's so hard I know <laughs> it's like like you say repetition you know and where you said about you know if you're tired you're hungry etc cetera, etc cetera. and something I talk about as well is you know if you've got your if you know what's happening for your your day each day so ideally in a prep you know we're as structured as possible and if you know that you've got a really taxing training session that day or maybe some additional stuff has come up at work or whatever it's like okay so do I need to get up at five in the morning and do my poses and that be the priority if you're maybe not natural at it and also do it while you're fresh and I feel like as bodybuilders and and if you're competing for me it used to be like okay I've started my day I've done my posing which is my yeah, heart exactly bit. the same yeah 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 it was like quite a bit yeah, 100%. No, I'm all the same. Yeah, I was always, you know, get up, still am, you know, steps first thing, and then immediately I come back, stretch, and then I pose. So I kind of have it slotted into that, a specific time that I have to do. It. And you're right, because once it's done, it's like, oh, it's freeing, you know, it's, it's out of the way. Whereas I think, as you say, if you push it to later in the day, like something else will come up or whatever else, and then you don't end up doing it. And then, as we all know, you know, prep can actually whiz around, and you're like, gee, actually, I haven't put in the time. And then, and then you're nervous because that's how I used to be in my early shows. I didn't do the prep. And then the day before, I'd be super nervous because I knew I hadn't put in. I'm like, oh, what if we do three rounds of muscularity? Like, I'm going to start sweating. I'm yeah. going to, you know, I'm just not going to enjoy it. So I was more nervous because I knew my posing wasn't on point because I hadn't done the prep. Whereas I think, as you say, like, if you do the prep, you almost free yourself from that mental anxiety of, you know, the nerves before the show. Because if you go into a show and you've done everything, you know, your diet, training, and your posing as best as you can, the night before, you should probably sleep quite easy because you know you've done all the work versus skipping along the way and then being super nervous and not being able to sleep because you're like, oh, I'm not really as prepared as I could be for this. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you're spot on. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly leads to the excitement. And I feel like, you know, for a lot of people coming into it, it is like, well, you know, I can really get my nutrition nailed. I can do my training. And Actually, you know, most people probably, not everyone, but most people probably could actually adhere to being able to do a diet and training if they really wanted to. And of course, there's yep. lots of reasons why people don't. And that's why we're a small percentage, right? But when you then go into a prep, it's like, guys, do you understand, you know, there's a lot more to it. And I don't know about you, but if I do, if there's that likelihood I'm going to miss one of my boxes to tick or, or whatever, that can actually lead to more anxieties if you're not structuring your day. Because in a prep, you know, for me, I'm giving my life over to the prep and to my yeah. coach. It's like, I don't want to step on stage thinking I didn't hit my food plan, didn't do that training session, unless you're ill or something, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a serious thing. And I think sometimes that can often be missed when people embark on a prep. Would you agree? Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's a it, it's a lot. I think you know, and yeah, you know, if you're you are missing X and Y, it can definitely yeah. Um, I think I definitely struggle with that. I think obviously on on the flip of it, that when you do do is you know all the things and you do take your boxes, I mean that's kind of for me. I always feel like I'm better every day. Something I say to myself is like every you know if you've got ten things that you need to do you know daily for you, to be the best you can be, and you're clear on what you need to do, when you go to bed at night. And for me, I think it's a great feeling that you know, I'm actually I'm better today than I was yesterday. And then you kind of build that up as like, you know, money in a jar and you just keep on doing that. And then I think that's kind of, for me, a, a kind of super useful strategy that I found on prep to actually feel that you're going you know, in a positive direction as opposed to, oh, geez, I'm so tired. This, you know, I'm so sore, you know, whatever else. 
Um, exactly yeah yeah you know i'm actually better every single day because i've ticked all my boxes and as you say when you get to the end of it it's almost like hey i couldn't have done any more um and i think you know mentally that's that's quite freeing because that kind of takes you into whether you kind of win lose or draw as long as you ticked all your boxes and you can stand over it and i can say to you hey sarah i've done every single day i've ticked my 10 boxes i've done it for however in 24 weeks i couldn't have done any more then I think you can gen- more often than not, you'll walk away not too disappointed, mm. you know, in the physique and the performance that you have. So, yeah, um, pride you know, to yeah. do this, this choice. And that's something I always try and, you know, get the message across that this is a choice. And these boxes, exactly. it, we, we don't have to do this. You know, we, nope. I feel very privileged. It sounds like you're the same. And essentially, you know, again, we don't have to do this, but having that opportunity and seeing it as an opportunity and what can I do with my physique that brings so much merit to when you do get on stage you're like oh, I did that nobody yeah, else exactly. That's yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's yeah. of course you have your coach and have, have you always had a coach through your bodybuilding yeah <laughs> no I have yeah I've, I've had various um yeah last yeah twice since 215 I've had Vicky Vicky McCann and then yeah but that's how I, I've always done it but, uh, but yeah, no, you're, you're spot on. I, could, I couldn't echo that more. Yeah. And I would like to ask you, actually, having oh, a female on. coach, did you have females before or was that? No, I, start, I started off with uh, with a male and then, yeah, didn't. I think um, if I'm honest, and, and this probably isn't the same for everyone, but I'll share kind of super quick my experience that initially I had a coach who wasn't natural and I was his only natural client. And I think he probably struggled, probably tried to, didn't quite understand with the natural body. And I think we kind of, that's why my early years, my point, you know, my placings weren't as good. I moved then to Vic, who, you know, Vicky's a DFAC pro and she's a, a natural bodybuilding champion. You know, Vicky, you know, Vicky McCann on Instagram. She's a, you know, super, super phenomenal physique, uh, Vicky DFAC pro. She's been, you know, doing it for a lot of years. And, you know, Vicky, I think as a natural athlete herself, really understands what it is a, a natural, you know, kind of needs. So, um, so kind of since I've been working with Vic, it's been, it's been great. And yeah, I think, you know, obviously Vicky been, been female, obviously, but you know, Vicky is jam. She's, she's only small, uh, maybe, I don't know, five, five, four, something like that, but she's jam packed with muscle, she's incredibly <laughs> strong. Yeah. After, you, know, you kind of talk to the top of this, but being a tomboy, I think Vicky's probably quite, quite similar to be fair. And yeah, we know we have, yeah, it's a super, even obviously kind of male, female, you know, she's a straight shooter and she's, yeah. Um, so there's probably they probably feel like having a, a you know a guy coach to be honest with you because she just says it bang straight down the line like it is so yeah do you find the levels of communication again it's something that i feel is is super important do you feel like you can literally go to her with anything yeah 100 percent. um and i think yeah you have to have that because you're in your head so much i think as we talked at the top of this you know you're looking at yourself so many times different times a day you know am i flat full by watery you know you're constantly and sometimes you just need someone to say, Sarah, you're absolutely fine. Stop looking at yourself. Just crack on and get it done. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I just decompress. Look, we're on track. Don't stress it. Yeah. And, and exactly, you know, exactly that, you know, and I'm lucky that I would say I've been working with Vic since like 214, I think. So, you know, it's, it's a long, long time. And I think obviously I'd certainly, you know, recommend if you find someone that you work well with, give it time and just stick with it. You know, but I think on the flip of that as well, you know, you, your coach needs time to understand your physique, you know, and obviously I'm not an online prep coach, so I'm not, not trying to sell anything here, but I think, you know, if you stick with one coach, if, you know, if you're confident in what they can deliver, the more time you give them, the better results you'll get together because they'll understand your physique more and more over time. You know, they're not, no one's a magician. They're not going to see your physique, you know, for a year and boom, turn you into an Olympian. So you do need to, to give it time. As you say, have that two-way communication around, hey, you know, whether it's, you know, diet training, whatever it is, because, you know, look, you know, I think perhaps all the people who, you know, prep themselves, you know, I've got so much respect for that. I couldn't do it. Absolutely couldn't do it. No, um, because I think, especially on prep, you know, you'll, I think you'll either go one or two ways, depending on the person you are, you'll either do too much. I think probably you and I would fall into that camp and just, you know, have yourself into the ground or you won't do enough and end up fat. And I think neither is a useful, useful outcome when it comes to stage. So I think, yeah, you do need someone to say, hey, look, you know, everything's on track. Leave this with me. You know, and I have, you know, from a personal perspective, I have, you know, 100% trust in Vic 
that you know she knows you know my body inside out and she knows we know what we're doing and obviously the results from the last year you kind of speak speak for themselves but obviously as i said you know it's taken us a long time to get there but we gave it time and, and it'll come off so i think you know if i probably just you know offer any advice it would be people to do similar you know find a good prep coach stick with them give it time yeah yeah and when we talk about communication and relationships have you found that there's certain things you in in a prep with your other half now if you're prepping together that could lend itself but of course i, I know couples that it actually gets quite tricky but is yeah. there things that you would recommend if someone's listening and, and maybe you know they are finding it really tough but they're finding it quite hard to maybe tell their partner it's tough is there anything that you'd sort of recommend they do and, and thought processes you would have yeah I think it is difficult 100% I think as much as you I think probably getting on, on a personal level the more you can probably let that person in to what you're feeling and that's enough to, it's an easy thing for me for us to sit here and say that's what you should do because you know it is difficult to open up but you know even if it's you know if it's nerves or whatever else I think you, know, you can say to the person look I'm actually I think I'm actually maybe behind on prep here and I'm I'm struggling, you know, because I think I need to lose maybe, you know, to be on my, you know, my targets, you know, probably another two kg in the next week or my strength's taking a massive dip. I can't nail this pose. You know, I know that sounds like a ridiculous thing, but it does get into your head. If it's, you know, if it's a back double bicep and you can't hit it, you know, or hit it the way you like. That's all that's in your head. It's just on repeat, especially a couple of weeks out. So I think, you know, obviously if you keep that to yourself, they're not, they're not going to know even if they do compete, you know, they'll get, you know, obviously you're under a bit of pressure because um, the show is rolling around. But I think the more specifics you can share with them, especially if they do compete, then obviously they can share more about their their own. And I think, as you know, we probably both know that, you know, if you let your guard, guard down with somebody, they'll more than often not do the same. Whereas if you've all got the walls up and no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, then you kind of wall them out, which isn't isn't a helpful kind of scenario. So I think, yeah, just the more specifics you can share with them, mm. I think the better. And then obviously everything should be, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more smoother, smoother sailing. Um, and I say that from a place of having relationships previously, that I haven't done that. And the walls have always been up and it hasn't worked. Um, and you just try and soldier on. But I think, yeah, I think on reflection, that's probably the best, the best strategy. How have you, how have you found it? Do you think you've kind of evolved over your time competing in terms of how much you shared or yeah for sure I used to think like you described there it's like I'm okay I'm okay and I I sort of I, I tie it into like where I was like this is a choice I thought well I shouldn't be moaning now it's reframing it I'm not moaning it's just fucking hard yeah, and then, how you like, feel. Yeah. yeah it's like that's okay that it's hard but yeah. you know all the reframing that we can do and we've spoken about a few things today it's like reframing your growth phase and and how you think about the certain things and when you're in a prep you know if you're hungry, well, you're going to be hungry. That doesn't mean you're moaning. It's like, no. well, actually, could you say to your partner, even if they're a non-bodybuilder, could we go for a walk just to keep busy? And you know what it's like yeah. in the depths of prep when you're like, I just need to not be focusing on the, the food, etc. And it does get in yeah. your head. Actually, I'd be interested to talk about your relationship with food. So we've spoken a bit about reversing out and how that is tricky, wanting to stay lean, of course. Have you found yeah. an effect on how you sort of view food or, or treat food in that regard? Yeah, I think it's probably evolved. I think evolved over, over time in terms of kind of you know, relationship with food, I'm honest with you. Because I think probably before I probably got heavy into bodybuilding, you know, I was probably, yeah, probably a bit of a foodie. And I certainly was probably a little bit overweight kind of growing up. So I think you're definitely, you know, definitely love some, I guess, you know, high, uh, high fat, high cal food. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not one of these that hates food at all. I think kind of just over time, I think I've kind of looked at myself as more of that if I'm a bodybuilder, then I need to be fueling my performance. And, you know, does a bodybuilder eat McDonald's every week? You know, a good, you know, professional level bodybuilder? No, they don't. Can they enjoy that once in a while? For sure. But I think it then turns, for me anyway, I kind of flipped it into, you know, if bodybuilding is what I want to do and I am a, you know, but now obviously a pro level bodybuilder, but previously a very good amateur level bodybuilder. What are the things that I need to eat? Because I think if we said, you know, it's the journey, it's not, you know, I'm not a bodybuilder five days a week. And then the weekend I'm, you know, Joe blogs, it's then turning it into actually, this is what I need to eat consistently. And I think kind of that, that mental approach for me really helped in terms of, you know, cause you, you can't do both. You want the best results. So that's probably kind of the biggest, the biggest change for me 
but then with that said, do I still love pizza, you know, cake, et cetera, you know, a hundred percent. Is that going to feel my performance make me better? Also, no, it's not. So it's then, Hey, you know, but can I, you know, can I enjoy this once in a while? Yeah, for sure. But if it's one, of, if it's going to make me the best bodybuilder out right there, no, it's not. So, Hey, we're not, we're not doing it. I'm sure, you know, you're familiar with a lot of people are with the, the mantra of, you know, will this make the boat go faster? Um, you know, from Stephen Peters, the chimp paradox. So if it's something, a lot of the times you're asking yourself the question, will this make me a better bodybuilder? And if the answer comes back, no, then, Hey, maybe I'm not going to do it. And obviously that's a difficult mindset over time to, to build, but I think the more you do it, and I think that really helps with your food choices, um, certainly helped for me anyway. So. Mm, yeah. Cause then when we transfer that into, you know, some people do meal plans, some people do flexible dieting, or maybe, yep. you know, in a, in a prep, a food plan is often easier as you just, you know, rinse and repeat, etc. But I've always had this element of flexible dieting and then sort of creating my plan with my coach to go, okay, so this is what my prep plan is going to look like. And in my last prep where I pushed that a little bit more to get leaner, it actually got to the point where it was just like, I, I can't really sit down and think this is going to be really satiating. I'm going to enjoy every part of this, but you reside yourself over to being a bodybuilder. And that also yeah. transfers, of course, into, you know, if you are socializing, if you are a bit more flexible in the off season, it's trying to have those fundamentals that you mentioned earlier of, okay, so have I done my steps? Have I trained? Have I drunk my water? Okay, so I can enjoy a meal out. But like you say, if it creeps into wanting to all the time, it can certainly be quite hard the next day to go, okay, I'm back on my food plan, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, I, I've always, you know, the prep I've never done personally, you know, cheat meals or, or refeeds. I mean, um, I think kind of mentally, I'd really struggle, I think, in getting getting back on. Um, so it's interesting that, yeah, that you say that. Yeah. It's, it's hard, you know, in the past when I did have these, you know, we spoke about like post-show, I'd have maybe eat to capacity. Yeah. And it was certainly much more than I needed to. But the next day, you, you can almost feel like swayed by, I don't really want to have the normal foods. But now yeah. I'm at the point, again, 12 years later, it's like yeah. when I sit down for a meal, I'm like, this is health. This is my training performance. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because yeah. this is where I talk about. These foods aren't boring for me. I actually very much enjoy the foods that I'm having. And I'm sure you're the yeah. same. No, 100%. And I think something that's probably, uh, probably hit me because, like, you know, later on is that I actually really enjoy eating a meal and digesting it well so versus having a meal and then loving the taste but then for the next hour two hours exactly that you're then feeling horrendous yeah. and for me it's now like that trade-off is no longer worth it so i'd actually rather have a meal that's maybe on the taste scale a seven out of ten versus a, a ten out of ten but i then actually feel good you know post having it versus feeling absolutely horrendous you know, um, then waking up the next day being super dehydrated as well. So I think, yeah, it's probably having a bit of a longer view on your your food choices of how that actually makes you feel, not just in, in the moment, but then the next couple of hours and the next day. Because you say, you know, we're trying to fuel performance. So, and that's that's the key at the end of the day. So, yeah, for sure. And what are your plans as you move through? Are you going to do a longer growth phase this time? Yeah, so obviously, um, so I just finished up competing there in November, got back from the um, the AMB DFC. Uh, pro worlds in australia so we just got back end of november so they're still trying to you know kind of put some weight back on post show and kind of you know balance everything back out so obviously won my cards back end of last year so the next time i get on stage will be british grand prix and so i'm going to do 2025 i'd love to compete you know this year coming but you know realistically you know and again we talked about this at the top is that being analytical about your physique you know am i of that level currently to stand next to the guys at the top level of the, the pro natural scene in the uk absolutely not so i need time to be analytical and say hey i need to work on xyz and i need to put and that's going to take time you know new training plan new protocols put that into place and then you know if we've made the changes that you know hopefully we'll make it'll be good to go and you know probably the end of 2025 so How yeah so, yeah no it feels good it feels really good i mean obviously it's as we, we said you know it's I definitely miss being lean I, I do like being in condition but i think i'm super excited to see you know what performance can be for me very aware as well kind of you know the age I'm at, you know, just turned 35, that this is probably my, my prime year. So I'm very kind of, you know, um, focused on delivering everything I can while I'm kind of in inverted commas and kind of, you know, my prime. And then, you know, see see how good we could be. Because I don't want to look back at the end of this and say, hey, do you know what? I wish I could have done 
X, Y, Z. If I'd only if I'd applied myself more and or whatever. So yeah, excited to really try and hit this and then see if we can make a mark in about you know the kind of the pro world stage twenty twenty five. So mm, it's a it's almost mine. that I I guess you know I talk about this resigning yourself over to everything is for that yeah, stage that performance. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I seem to have been able to foster that mentality, and it sounds like you have. Did you have points where it was quite hard to accept that, you know, two, three years can go into one or, or you know, a few stage performances over a season? I think certainly probably, you know, rolling it back a little bit that, you know, you know people competed maybe once, twice a year, which is potentially, I think for me, maybe too few, where I think now we seem to have, you know, there's so many different federations, people are competing, geez, like eight, nine, ten, you know, probably more times a season, which is obviously just just crazy i think you know obviously i think it's different if you have different social media goals you know i appreciate that obviously plays a big part into you know terms of trying to people to build their credibility you know and their reputation um as you say you know you you know post show you'll get you know hundreds of likes if you do well and you'll want to repeat that feeling over and over so i i 100 can understand that i think you know really you know my own personal approach is you know do the really good shows and just you know stick with that because there's so many federations and obviously you've got to start somewhere for sure. But I think, you know, my, for me personally, I think everyone knows where the good federations are. They know where the good titles are. And I think, you know, if you, you focus on those, that should be your kind of your primary. If you really want to have credibility and be good, I think, in this game, that's probably where you need, need to focus. And I think trying to peak in point more than, you know, probably three, four times a season is very difficult um, if you're doing it properly. So I think that's probably the... The most that I probably stick with is in terms of probably three, four shows per season. I think that's probably the, the sweet spot for me personally. I don't know, obviously with bikini, it's not quite an extreme look. Do you think you have a different perspective on that? Or Yeah, it, I mean, I've got caught in the past of doing several shows in a season, sort of my, my previous position and then getting invites and stuff like this and different. Yeah. I think you sort of, like you said, there you start to learn what the, I don't, I don't know if better is the right word, but the, the yeah. federations that can lead you to maybe international or a pro card that's yes. got a bit more weight behind it. Yeah, and then well it has, yeah it, it's, you know, quality over quantity per se, exactly. but probably a learning experience. Now, of course, there's lots of different things where you can go to. You mentioned earlier group posing workshops and things. So you yeah. get experience doing stuff like that. And have you got any other recommendations before we wrap up with, you know, people that are getting into it for the first time with what they need to think about if there's anything we haven't covered today in regards to getting into the sport and, and working out whether it's for you? Yeah, no, for sure. I think probably the biggest thing um, for me, and I think it's probably lost somewhat, is I think is go to a show, buy a ticket and actually bum on seat, watch a show. Because obviously it's one thing on Instagram, seeing clips or pictures or, you know, let's be honest, no one's actually watching a full show on Instagram. Um, you might clap, catch a bit of the live stream, but you're not actually kind of seeing it. And as I think we both know, it's very different in real life to, to Insta. So, you know, I say, you know, buy a ticket, get exactly sit front row and see it all, you know, and see, you can see the tan and the glaze and you'll see people shaking, you'll see all of it. And then I think that gives you a, a much better indication as to is, is this for me? So I think that's probably the the biggest thing. And then I think probably the second thing for me is also, you know, and this is where IG is good, is that if you kind of follow the people, I'm sure you will, if you're thinking about it, the top people in, um, you know, whatever federation or, you know, kind of discipline you're looking at, you know, where do they train? And, you know, can you get to that gym? Because if you're training maybe at a pure gym or a David Lloyd or something like that, maybe get to an independent gym and try and see some of these guys and girls in action. And obviously don't interrupt their workout. But if you can, again, see it in the flesh, I think that's such a powerful, powerful driver. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be friends with a couple of guys, you know, um, Chris McCready, Dave Kay, who are kind of top natural pros. And if you see them in the gym in real life, you're just like absolutely blown away by their intensity, their strength, just their drive. And I think, you know, if you, you can't get on Instagram, it doesn't come across in a video, you need to kind of see it firsthand. So that's the two things that I'd say is that, you know, try and get to a show and then you try to get to a gym where, you know, the top guys and girls are training. And mm -hmm. then I think maybe that yeah, gives you a sense of, hey, is this for me or or not? So Yeah, for yeah. sure. When, when you see them in the gym, like, holy shit. But, but it's, yeah. you know, as we've said, it's really yeah. cool to have, you know, people that you look up to in the sport. And of course, 
it can become, you know, a little bit self-centered. There can be yeah. egos and things like this, but there is also athletes that are similar to you and I talking today where it's great to see other people achieve and be part of that journey, of course. Now, if people have listened and they'd like to follow you, I'll put your Instagram handle. Oh, in- thank you very much. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you may get a message. We might get some reshares on the stories, which I'm sure yeah. you're up for. <laughs> yeah, of course, 100. percent Yeah, no, all questions. Yeah, gratefully, re- yeah, gratefully received. Yeah, um, 100. percent And I need to close that off. Obviously, you know, in the gym as well. You know, go and chat to these guys and girls because more often than not, the best guys and girls are actually really good people as well, and they're more than happy, you know, just to share as we're doing here. You know, share some some proper first-hand insight. But again, you're probably not going to quite get on IG. Yeah. So yeah. IG is um, good for connecting us, but it sometimes yeah. it can be a tricky, tricky space. So I, I love that, you know, the face-to-face value stuff and actually understanding is this right for you or, or maybe you do it as more of a hobby and you enjoy the lifestyle. So certainly some considerations for the listeners today. But thank you so much for coming on, Alex. I really appreciate it. No pleasure. Absolutely loved it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey!